Hey, Chris, Adam, Rachel, how are you guys? It's been so long. Hey, man. We just wanted to, uh, you know, check on you. Yeah, ever since we finished Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, you've kind of gone MIA. Yeah, what have you uh, been up to? Oh, man, I've been so busy. I, I started rereading the Turtle comics, and, and I got the TMNT 90 movie score on vinyl, and I've been listening to that, like, nonstop. I watched 190 episodes of the 80s cartoon, the entire Nick series, beat the arcade game, beat the NES game, and Turtles in Time, like, three times each, watched the 2007 CGI movie, and watched Turtles 90 again, like, four more times. Oh, God. Dude, y you need to take a break. I, I even watched both Michael Bay movies. Again. Oh, oh no. God. Ugh. God, guys, he's gone off the rails. I mean, truth be told, I've kind of felt a little directionless since the whole minute a day thing ended. Guys, guys, we need to help him. He's falling apart. He needs structure, and I think there's only one way to do it. Oh, please don't say it. We, we have, have to, to do, do Turtles, too. A minute at a time. I love this plan. I'm glad to be a part of it. Hey, hey, what are you guys whispering about? It's okay, Scott. We're here to help you. We're going to do The Secret of the Ooze a minute at a time. Think of it as like your daily dose of turtle therapy. It's like a sequel about the sequel. You might even say it'd be our... Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Second time around. I love you guys. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute Season 2, a podcast discussing the secret of the ooze, one minute at a time. Available wherever you get your podcasts. A sequel bunga. Dueling genre. Hello everyone, and welcome to The Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing Harvey Specter from the TV show Suits. And joining us for the discussion is first-time guest, George Sakaridis. Welcome, George. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Very glad to have you on. And uh, I reached out to you to come onto this episode after you were kind enough to have me on your podcast. So do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast? Sure. Uh, I have a podcast with my co-host, Randy Woodbury, and it's called Cheers Weekly. And as the name indicates, we follow the television show Cheers episode by episode. And I think we're about 106 episodes in and uh, out of 275. And uh, we've been having a lot of fun with that. It's really gone well. Yeah, the episode by episode format, it's a popular one for TV shows. With Cheers, you're making a real commitment, though, because <laughs> we are, are a lot of yeah. the Cheers. <laughs> yes, I mean, we're pretty much, uh, it was like five, it was going to be like five years, at least six, five, six years, even if we, if we don't skip a week. <laughs> well, uh, if you're already halfway through, I trust that you're going to be able to make it. You know, that's, uh, we're, we're going to do our best. Like you're, you're all in. <laughs> We're almost done with the Diane years, so like that—that's like the first first bookend. I feel like, yeah, that's a there's a, there's a real shift that happens in the tone of the show. Uh, it becomes a little more uh, ensemble after after the Diane years. Yes, for sure. So when I uh, after I was on your your podcast, I asked if you wanted to come on, and you had given a few options. One of which was uh, talking about Harvey Specter from Suits. Suits is a TV show that I was aware of. I have a brother Alex who I know is a fan and has seen all of it and has recommended it to me. And it, this was part of the like the USA Blue Sky era, I think, when it started, like when they had a lot of shows like Burn Notice and uh, and White Collar. And I'd watched several of those, so I've always been kind of interested in Suits. It's just there's there's too much media, I, I so I never really had the chance to commit to it. Um, and so after you asked for it, I went and watched the pilot, and I feel like this might be a binge show for me, where this will become one of the like staple. <laughs> let's watch another episode tonight with me and my wife because i really did enjoy the pilot um but what do you remember when you first came to the show or or found suits so suits is one of those shows like i'm a big fan of the the usa network umbrella because i think it hits that kind of niche area that's like it's somewhat family friendly but it's mm -hmm. not corny so, yeah. you, you know, you can you can watch it. It's fairly clean, but it has some tension, you know, so like Psych, Monk, um, I, I've watched Burn Notice and, you know, C 
covert, uh, what is it? Covert affairs and, you know, some of those yeah. and suits, but I actually never, ha- I, well, I've only had cable for like one year of my life and that was in college. And so suits was one of those shows I had to wait until I got Amazon prime. And, um, but I, it was kind of on my radar, I think because of the USA network and I was just excited to see it. And once I started, I was super hooked and it was funny cause, uh, you know, on cheers weekly, we just did, uh, a timestamp thing so that those who want to just hear the cheers discussion can jump ahead to that. And so Randy was going through that and he said, uh, he's like, you've mentioned suits in about 40% of the episodes, uh, on cheers <laughs> weekly. Cause we talk about enter- entertainment before we talk about cheers. And so clearly it's been a big part of my life the last few years. And, and I binge watch it. I mean, today watching the pilot just to get ready for this, I ended up watching almost five episodes. It definitely has a strong pilot. So thus far, I've only seen the pilot. So you're welcome to jump ahead and tell us some more about these characters or what makes makes them all work. But it does hit the ground running in the pilot. Sometimes you see a pilot where it's like, there's promise there, but I don't think it's being fully fulfilled yet. This felt like a pretty solid, uh, it was an exercise episode. It was like a, an episode and a half, right? I think it was a little over an hour, but not the full. Yes, yeah, so I think it was an hour and 12 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah. So uh, probably like a 90 minute when it was, when it was uh, airing. Um, so they, they were able to squeeze in a little extra in terms of story and also character moments to make us care about these characters. Uh, but I think there's evidence of a pretty strong vision from the writers and, uh, and that the actors have a good handle on who these characters are just right from the get go. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And actually, as I was watching it today, I really noticed because often the actors take a little while to kind of get into the skin of the character. And and I think that's true here too, but they really did. They were more developed than, than you see out of most pilots and, and just even the production quality was very strong. Um, I don't think they played greenback boogie at the beginning though. So I was a little disappointed in that, but that, that becomes the theme song for the show. Um, there's a new, uh, podcast that's, uh, doing it called office ladies. I'm sure there are many other office podcasts, but this one has, uh, the actresses who played, uh, Pam and Angela as hosts, uh, uh, going episode by episode through the office. And I started listening to it and they talk about how, like in the first episode of the office, some of these characters just are not at all who we come to know. So, uh, <laughs> yes. like, um, Kevin does it, the actor's using his regular voice, not his, what becomes his Kevin voice. And, uh, the the um kelly kapoor character is like very formally attired and and like looks super conservative in her in her dress and that is not at all the kelly kapoor <laughs> uh so there's like some major changes that happened in the course of that show from its pilot uh to to where it lands um but this th- there felt like a um a little more i i guess it, it already felt more fully formed whereas office I, th- I, th- I think it's a successful pilot but it does feel a little bit um like uh like they're still feeling some things out and this one felt like they they kind of know the world that they want to create already fully yeah i think that's very true and i think the usa network because they have a track record they're probably able to vet their shows uh to a greater degree and kind of know exactly what they want but i think suits is one of their best and i and i have a number of of shows i do like from that network but this is and i i think suits is slightly more edgy especially as it develops later on than some of the other USA network shows. Yeah. There's definitely a tone that feels um, appropriate for USA. Like you said, Um, that's it's, it's its own like very established look and feel that they're, they want to embrace uh, with this. And I, I read a little bit um, where the, the creator Aaron Korsh said like there was a little back and forth as they were developing it, but it got its full, um, like pilot order only after USA had already signed off on all the cast and already they'd gone through several revisions on, on the pilot. So like the, the network was helping to guide mm. uh, this vision, make sure it lined up with the other products that they were putting on the air. Yeah. So I, for anyone, I really, Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I really want to give the USA network credit. I mean, they just, I think they've really hit the right kind of market and they, they know what they want and they do it. Yeah, and it's, I, I think, well, at least from what I can tell, it's very successful. Like, I know, I, even though it's been off the air for years amongst my college students, like, Psych is still, a, like, a touchstone, you know, TV show that so many of them know and can reference and quote. Uh, so a lot of these are, like, finding long life even after 
they're uh, you know like they're still finding new audiences with some of their shows. Yeah, Psych is an interesting one. Partly, I mean, if you're if you grew up in the '80s or '90s, I mean, Psych kind of hits hits the right comedy note. And I think they're coming <laughs> out with a second made-for-TV movie like really soon, also. Yeah, I think it's uh, next year, early next year, in the first half of next year. Is I, I, oh, I saw it cool. announced that they were working on it. So what um, for? <laughs> For any listeners who aren't familiar with Suits, it was created by Aaron Korsh, <laughs> and it starred Gabriel Macht as Harvey Specter, Patrick J. A- Adams as Mike Ross, Rick Hoffman as Louis Litt, Meghan Markle as Rachel Zane, and Sarah Rafferty as Donna Paulson. And it is a legal drama that follows a college dropout acting as a lawyer despite never having gone to law school, though he did pass the bar exam. They established that in the pilot. <laughs> I was wondering uh, I, about I, that I part. I want to throw this. Since we're talking about Psych, we also have to throw out that Dulé Hill is uh he's 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 now a regular the last two seasons oh well i support that i support Dooley hill showing up in anything me too he's awesome yeah um, um and we're yeah, gonna be talking he, about the pilot episode which was directed by kevin bray and written by aaron korsh and it originally aired on june 23rd 2011 so the the entire series just wrapped up fairly recently is that right I think so. I mean, since I'm watching on Amazon Prime, I'm like on a delay, but I think the the season finale either just happened or is about to happen. I believe okay. it just happened because I caught some spoilers that I kind of wish I didn't see. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So when I was looking up some information, it said that it ran on the USA Network for nine seasons between 2011 and 2019. So that made it sound entirely in the past tense, but we're still in 2019 at the time we're recording this. This episode will drop in 2020. So uh, it will definitely have wrapped up <laughs> by the time this episode yes. of this podcast um, drops. Uh, the show was popular enough that it did um, get one spinoff, which was, I believe, called Pearson. Am I remembering that right? Do you know off the top of your head? I, I gotta you, go double check. You know, it was supposed to be called Second City. I don't know if they changed the name, I think, because, you know, she, she goes to Chicago later in the series. Oh, okay. Um, so actually in yeah in one of the later seasons she goes to Chicago and that was kind of fun for me being a native Chicagoan to to see that they went out of their way to just reference Chicago in this really in really obvious ways. <laughs> um so it's kind of fun. But yeah, that that is uh the spin-off with uh, Gina Torres um, okay. who of course is uh well known from, you know, like some other sci-fi stuff. The, the Weed Inverse, right? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, in looking up trivia, if you start to look up trivia on Suits, pretty quickly the name Meghan Markle comes up very prominently. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with that actress. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long was yeah, she definitely, on Suits? Do definitely. you know? Uh, I think she did six seasons, but I'll check okay. right now. I mean, she, um, the reason so she comes she... up so much is, as I'm sure most listeners know, uh, she is married to Prince Harry um, and uh, is. Re- retired from acting and now lives in London, which would make it a little harder to film a Toronto based show like suits. <laughs> it looks like she did. I think she did seven seasons is what I'm I'm guessing. Oh, but that's a full run for most maybe series. Seven and, so. Yeah, she did quite a bit. I mean, she, she was there for most of it. So was Patrick J. Adams. So the last couple of seasons though, they've been missing. Although uh, Patrick J. Adams, although I haven't seen it yet, uh, does come back in the last season. Okay. Um, so the the show has been adapted for Japanese television and South Korean television because it it does have a premise that I think can be moved to many different settings and you you build off that premise you know for the the new locale uh, that's being built. But once you you hear the premise of the super smart slacker who like basically has a photographic memory and knows you know can do everything and is getting pulled into a world that he doesn't quite understand, but he wants to fit into. I think that you could, you can launch from that and it, it works. Yeah. I mean, they really, cre- and I think USA does a good job of this too, is kind of like the, the buddy comedy or the buddy mm-hmm. dramedy. And they really kind of balance the characters out. Well, I, I do want to throw this out real quick, mentioning Meghan Markle and Patrick J. Adams. So like when she did get married to uh, Prince Harry, he tweeted out, she said she was just going out for some, to get some milk, uh, and that that kind of caught that caught a lot of attention. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
do you, is there any other trivia that you want to cover now, or should we do the uh, summary? Do you think before we we dig into anything else about these characters? A oh more? man, um, let's see. So they're actually, I, I do want to throw a couple things out. So you know, actually on the USA Network, there are there are some tri- they they have a trivia page. It's twenty four facts about suits every fan should know. So uh, some of these are kind of lame, I will admit. <laughs> but uh, you know, it mentions you know like Michael Fel- Phelps uh, appears on the show later. Um, because he was a fan of the show, they actually worked him in. Um, <laughs> this is something I had mentioned, but you know, the show is shot in Toronto and doubles for New York, like a lot of you know, Canadian cities, Toronto and Vancouver often and Vancouver. double for US cities. Oh, yes. all the time. <laughs> yeah, Vancouver is and, and actually I'm a, a huge Vancouver fan and I, I get out there a couple times a year. And uh it's funny because that's just a running joke there that Vancouver never plays itself. <laughs> although, although I think it has more in recent years, um, but but yeah, it's so it's filmed in Toronto and they double for New York. So if you pay attention closely, you can kind of catch little Canadian things in the background. But, but then if you if you start looking closely at the background, it starts to feel like a lot of New York cop shows, also because <laughs> so many of those filmed there as well. Or all the yeah, CW it's got shows. just. I think most of the CW superhero shows do do Toronto. I think. Um, yeah, CW and I don't know, is the WB network still around? <laughs> it became that? the CW. Yeah. WB. Oh, it became the CW. the CW. Okay. CW. That's what happened. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, I guess why it came to mind, but yeah, that there's a certain kind of way they light all those shows too. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, and so one of this, a trivia note on this page also, that I think is funny is so Lewis lit as the series develops, he's, it show it it comes out that he's a huge fan of cats and it, it plays a big part. And apparently Rick Hoffman is actually severely allergic uh, to cats. And it says whenever he films with a cat, there are EpiPens and inhalers at the ready. So he's definitely suffering for his art uh, in later wow. seasons. That's like, it wasn't uh, Mel Blanc allergic to carrots and would chew them to do his Bugs Bunny lines and then spit before he swallowed anything. <laughs> I actually didn't know that. That is pretty funny. But I, I've uh, heard that trivia know. often enough. I think it's true, but you never really are quite sure. <laughs> when, Either way, I, that's good apocryphal trivia, if it's even if it's not yeah. true. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and, and actually... There's a uh, one one last trivia off off of the USA page is that they they plan a flashback ever episode every season, and it's interesting because they change the lighting slightly. So if you're not paying attention, it, you know it's not totally obvious, but uh, it's kind of fun and you get the backstory that way. Oh, I like it when series have that like one one episode that they traditionally do you know do this kind of thing that you you end up like looking forward to it because you you get both the backstory but also you start to feel like, oh, it's 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 this episode. I you know we look forward to that every season. Yeah, and it's it's definitely fun. And there's they kind of use like a, a yellow filter, a slightly kind of tint, and then Harvey's hair is less slicked back. So <laughs> it's always a giveaway, right? <laughs> yes, and apparently, yeah, actually, the, the, the one last trivia, one extra last trivia is that apparently uh, Gabriel Macht really doesn't like slicking back his hair, even though it's such <laughs> a, a key part of the character. Well, before we move on to the plot summary, listeners, we want to thank you for downloading this episode, and we especially want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers or TV shows that we've been watching. And we also give monthly updates on our fantasy box office game. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. So now I will uh, do a full summary of the pilot episode of Suits, which I watched on Amazon Prime. Are you are you sure, or do you know if that's the only place it's streaming right now? Well, uh, I think so in the U.S. It's funny enough when I'm in Canada, I, it's on Netflix there, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but in the U.S., I think it's I think it's just Amazon Prime, or uh, unless you want to purchase it, right? Okay. All right, well, in the pilot, Harvey Specter is a lawyer called in to close deals, and he convinces a very high-profile client to sign a deal, but he lies in order to do so. Jessica Pearson, who is Harvey's boss, is impressed when he tells her how he lied to get the job done. Mike Ross is taking the LSAT. The proctor thinks he recognizes Mike, but Mike slips his test into the pile and runs out uh, before he can get caught. Mike is paid by the kid who had him take the LSAT for him. 
Uh, we also then meet Mike's friend, Trevor, who tries to convince him to go into drug dealing with him. But Mike refuses. Uh, Harvey Specter is promoted to senior partner, and he is ordered to go hire a Harvard law grad as a new associate. He doesn't want to, but he sets up the interviews at a hotel. Uh, Mike's grandma is at a nursing home, and Mike learns that he cannot afford to keep her there with the money that he makes with his current schemes, like taking LSATs for people who aren't confident they can get enough good enough score. Uh, Mike calls Trevor and says he'll make one drug sale for him so that he can have enough money to make sure his grandma stays at her current uh, nursing home. Uh, Trevor tells him that there's a briefcase of drugs that he'll need to go deliver to a hotel room. After the call, Trevor um, hears that the delivery may be a sting by the cops, but he is kept at gunpoint to prevent him from warning Mike. Mike puts on a suit and he goes to the fancy hotel to do the drug drop, uh, but he notices several details that seem off and decides this is a setup by the cops. And looking for a place to hide, he runs into the Harvard Law interviews. He gets into the room with Harvey Specter, where his briefcase pops open, spilling drugs everywhere. And Harvey Specter is really just intrigued. Like, he wants to hear the story of what happened. So Mike tells him his story. And Harvey admires Mike's brazen, uh, brazenness. And he says, uh, and Mike even tells him, he's like, look, I passed the bar exam because someone bet me I couldn't do it. I'm that smart. You need to understand. Like, I'm a very smart, smart guy. Uh, so Harvey grills him about the law and Mike does everything uh, because he, he has this photographic memory. Uh, and after uh, Harvey goes out and he sees all the preppy guys that are waiting to be interviewed, he turns around and hires Mike for the job. Harvey discuss, uh, discovers at work that he's been demoted from senior partner because Gerald, the client that he had lied to uh, earlier, discovered the lie and fired the law firm. Uh, Harvey then goes and fires Mike, saying, I can't get caught hiring someone who never went to law school. Uh, Mike says, well, if I'm fired, everyone will know you hired someone who never went to law school because I'll tell them. So Harvey rehires him, and then he realizes this scheme kind of works. So he goes to Jessica Pearson and says, you're going to make me senior partner again because if you don't, I will tell everyone that you knew I had lied and never reported it. So now he's a senior partner again. Harvey, though, is ordered to go do pro, a pro bono case, and he hands it off to Mike, even though he's told very explicitly not to do that. Mike's case involves a woman who has been fired after she refused sexual advances from her boss. Mike hunts down another woman who worked at the same company and was fired years ago, and he convinces her to give a deposition. During the deposition, several character flaws emerge that damage her credibility, and she storms out and refuses to answer any more questions. Uh, Mike considers quitting, but Harvey talks him out of it. Harvey realizes that the woman at the deposition was a waste of their time. Time, meaning like quite deliberately this was a waste of the time they were set up and he goes and confronts her and he confirms that she was paid by the company uh, to essentially distract them and prevent the case from moving forward once her testimony was tossed out armed with evidence that the company had tampered with a witness Harvey and Mike are able to receive a substantial settlement for their client the end so I'm assuming from this point forward we get a blend of some long, season-long story arcs that are happening in the background, but also like a case of the week that they're working. Is that accurate, uh, George? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Um, which, which is yeah, a classic usually... procedural, be it the, the cop or medical or or uh, or lawyer show. That's that's kind of the, yeah. the basic format American audiences have have slipped into as, as like some of our comfort food for those genres. Yeah, definitely, and and I think. You know, as the characters develop more, you see those arcs kind of become a little more clear. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting in just watching this pilot is that I think the show kind of successfully walked this strange line between seeing entitled men get bested and get get you know their their pride handed to them <laughs> um, because of their arrogance, <laughs> like and, and get you know, but also like our main characters are kind of entitled arrogant men <laughs> uh yes and and we kind of like them but so like a couple little moments that i didn't include in the summary um when uh mike has to is gonna have to pretend that he went to harvard he's t ordered like uh, harvey says you gotta go spend a weekend at harvard law school and find out as much as you can so you can talk about this place like you've been there and he goes and he wants to take this tour uh but he can't uh because it's already all booked up and so he sees this arrogant preppy guy who's uh talking in in just the worst stereotype of an east coast elite <laughs> style and mike just goes up and he's like hey <laughs> i've got a secret message just for you because the higher-ups have their eyes on you i just need your badge and then you've got to go to this place for the special meeting and then he takes a spot in the tour um and we like the, the actor who it was such a small role but the actor did a great job of playing like the swarmy kind of like oh, <laughs> <laughs> very full of himself uh, look on his face and as an audience we really enjoy seeing him get tricked and get bested um and, and that happens with the the 
the boss of the company that is being sued. Like it's it's this very entitled, arrogant man that um has to like completely swallow his pride at the end and gets taken down completely. And I I remember feeling like ah ha ha they got it. But then like you also pause and like our main characters aren't the like noble heroes from the ground, you know, coming up from the ground floor, rising up or anything like that. Like yeah, what is, yeah. is Harvey is a, a pretty arrogant lawyer himself. And he enjoys, definitely enjoys the fighter thing in life and letting everyone know that he enjoys the fighter things in life. And then yep. uh, our, our college dropout is like, he's very self-assured as far as his skills, even though he hasn't found the right place for them yet. He knows he's like, he feels like he's the smartest man in the room everywhere he is. Right. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're both arrogant and that that arrogance kind of against arrogance is what creates the humor, too. Oh, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that in the pilot. They, <laughs> they knew this is one thing they were going to be going for. Um, and it reminds me a little bit of uh, on on Frasier. The, the writer said that like they, they were warned several times, like you can't have Frasier and Niles be the same like that. That doesn't create comedy. And they're like, uh, we think it will. <laughs> if you get if you get two very arrogant men bouncing off of each other, there's there's comedy to be found there. And I I, I think this is a little bit similar. Where, like the classic of comedy is is like the Odd Couple, where you get like the very different characters and you force them in a room. Yes. But I think you can successfully have similar characters and get a a, a good dynamic uh, that yields a lot of both drama and comedy, um, depending on how it's being handled. Yeah, d- definitely. And I mean, I think part of it, as the series develops, you kind of see, you know, the, the softer side of both of those characters. And actually, I mean, we're we're going full spoilers here, right? So I can just speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, go ahead. Yes. I, so Harvey Specter, like in later, there's later seasons where he actually is having panic attacks and dealing with stress. And you find out, you know, like his mother um, cheated on his father. So he has this very strict moral code. And he's, you know, it's it's affected his life obviously in, in major ways, and then of course Mike's parents were killed in a car accident, I think uh, because a drunk driver hit them. Yeah, and, that was revealed know, and, in and, the pilot at least that his parents had died in a car accident. Yes, yes, and so that that kind of unfolds more, and it shows kind of the the softer side of them, and I think it gives us pretty well rounded characters. So even though they're arrogant, and I think Harvey especially in this pilot is like super alpha male and you know you know best closer in the city everything goes his way i mean you know that basically that opening scene where he, you know the waitress turns him down and then it cuts to him waking up in bed with her um you know he he just gets what he wants and i as the series develops we see a lot more development especially with harvey i think yeah uh, but I just think it's interesting that the show manages in, in at least this pilot where that's all I've seen to make us like simultaneously yes. root or enjoy men getting taken down a notch while like, I <laughs> like both these characters somehow, <laughs> which with, with like some, some brief character sketch descriptions of them there, it wouldn't come across as very likable. And I think that says um, a lot about the writing, the directing and the performance that we're getting from these actors who are playing them. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I'm kind of taking for granted that we like these characters. But you're right. If you take kind of look at them on paper, um, there's a lot not to be likable there. Yeah, you know, uh, you a know, lawyer who lies yeah. to get his way from his client yeah. and and then shames his client because of it. Like he's shaming the, the client that he's <laughs> he's forcing into the into this deal. And the now the client is another one of those men that obviously deserves to be taken down. Like like so we can root yes. for that. But uh, but I think if it, if it was tweaked just a little bit in terms of how the performance was delivered or we made the people that are getting taken down just a little less um, obviously villainous and a little more likable, like our our heroes in the series very quickly could become the villains of a, of a different series. Uh, yeah, that's fair. And I, you know, I'll, I'll go to there's a Twitter account called Spectre Quotes. And so it's basically Harvey Spectre Quotes. And that's, you know, like. That's a big thing, I think, you know, for, let's say, kind of this entrepreneurial alpha male, you know, you know, just environment in the world. I don't mean just on the show. You know, people like to quote Harvey Specter. They like to quote Don Draper, you know, these kinds of alpha male characters. Um, I do, too. And there's a quote there. There was sometimes good guys got to do bad things to make the bad guys pay. And, uh, you know, that's kind of Harvey's thing is he kind of plays in the gray area and maybe even beyond the gray area. But but he has like the right end in mind. At least that's how the show presents it. So we're sympathetic even as we see him do basically illegal or almost illegal things. Yeah. 
which I mean, that is very much in a mold of a lot of um, American popular culture protagonists, the ones who use the tools or the methods of uh, from outside the law in order to uphold the, the law or, or in order to protect society. They use methods that aren't part of society, like polite society wouldn't do these things. Uh, you know, like a Wolverine character or even like a Dr. House character or a Jack Bauer. Like, like this isn't the stuff that yes. we want to be happening in society, but they're using these methods in order to protect it. Therefore we root for them. And I think it, there's something appealing in that same vein of this person is willing to do things. I'm not, but I wish I was maybe, you know, that I, I want to be the person that could do that, but I can't because my ethics won't allow it. Yeah. And, you know, it, that's an interesting, uh, I, let's say, psychological question for for our uh, American audiences. Yeah, and uh, like I said, it's it's definitely taken root, and there's a very long history, like going back to kind of like Natty Bumpo and <laughs> the Leather Stocking Tales of these sort of outsider heroes. Um, and it, it's interesting, like you can trace it as like the the frontiersmen to the cowboys, uh, but then as as like our frontier kind of gets closed, it shifts to like our uh, our our private eye detectives who you know have all their under uh, uh, CD contacts uh, in the underbelly of the city, and they they know where all the bad stuff is going on, uh, but they use these contacts for the greater good to to help those people who have been pulled into it that shouldn't be there. Like they know their clients shouldn't be engaging with this, so they're gonna have to do it for them. That that sort of role. Mm. Yeah, I think there, there's something, and this is appealing to me at least, is I'm going to be the person that will do the the things no one else can to make the world a better place because somebody has to. It's like, I'll, I'll do the dirty work and be kind of the, the hero, but it's it's kind of a, a you know, a, a dirty hero, uh, mm-hmm. a, a questionable hero. Yeah. And that's become very popular, I think, in uh, just in storytelling in the last 10 to 20 years, especially. Yeah, there's uh, dozens of examples that we quickly point out. Um, but there, then, so, so I think that says a lot about the Harvey Specter character. But then there's also uh, the the uh, his name is Mike, right? The 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 slacker. Uh, um, yes, Mike Ross. Mike Ross, which is uh, I think another like character type that we see often of the person who has the talents and abilities to do be so much more than they are, but because they're uh, either lazy or they haven't found the right role or they've been denied the right role. Like their, their talents aren't being fully realized until the right mentor comes along and uh, you know, lifts them and elevates yeah. them. Uh, and in it, the, it, this one I think has a little more of the, um, the twist of, of Mike, like I said, always feeling like he's the smartest one in the room and that's going to create a different dynamic than a mentor mentee, the, the classic mentor mentee dynamic. <laughs> um, yeah. It's not like the Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, Oh, this guy's my master. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to train with him. He's going to show me <laughs> this, one, this one is sometimes like, I know exactly what needs to be done. I just maybe don't know the details of how to properly fill out, uh, you know, this legal document. Cause I never went to law school or that sort of thing. I mean, I really like, though, the way, like, I feel what he's feeling that, like, I, you know, I'm an intelligent person, I know what I'm doing, and yet something that I should know very easily in this setting, I don't, and I'm struggling to get it done. And, and of course, that becomes a, a big issue. Um, well, actually, in the second episode, especially, sorry, I, I've, I did watch almost five episodes today. So. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, it's, I think that goes away, I think, after the first season as he's kind of entrenched. Because, well, I mean, they established that he is a quick learner, so it would make sense for that to go away after a while. Like, you can't yeah. keep revisiting that trope. But it also, I, I think, like you said, it's it, even if, like the specificity of, uh, you know, uh, uh, never having gone to law school and suddenly working as a lawyer in New York City. No, no one knows that. But the idea of I should like I'm, I'm competent enough to figure this out, but there's enough jargon or or like a few specifics to this that are just so outside my realm of experience. I don't know what to do. And it's making me feel a bit like an idiot. Uh, I think that's something we've all felt. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and and both you and I have day jobs in academia. And so the, uh, academia sometimes is built on that is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. creating or, or jargon. Other that... people feel that. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Creating jargon that keeps other people out. And, uh, and that's one thing I like about popular culture studies. And I mean, one, I love TV, but two, you know, it, 
it it opens up discussion for everybody. At least I think it should. I think even in popular culture studies, sometimes people use jargon to kind of keep people at arm's length. But as exclusionary but really, text, you know, not as inclusionary moves to like increase our understanding. It's like exclusionary. Like if you don't understand this reference to Derrida, you're out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, but I do want to say about Mike Ross, one thing that's really, and this has struck me in the past watching the show, I think, you know, any TV show, especially legal shows um, or cop shows also, there's just so much actual work that goes into like the end product that we're watching and they make it seem like it's happening. Bang, bang, bang. Um, it's nice to see like, you know, like Mike Ross is forced to read, you know, thousands of pages of testimony to to do his work because it kind of even even if it's just a nod it gives us kind of a sample of lawyer work is not really a bunch of exciting fun necessarily it's, it's not sitting in a speechifying room. on the on the courtroom floor right exactly it's it's pouring through documents and being bored out of your skull sometimes yeah and knowing thousands and thousands of precedents from hundreds and hundreds of cases yes. uh and and uh he like our our character in this case has you know the advantage of someone writing all his lines of dialogue but also we're told he he just knows this like he he's seen it once he does not need to see it again yeah exactly and it's funny so the scene with Harvey and Mike you know at the interview where he's playing hearts on the computer um there's a there's a scene later in the show where he does the same thing with Jessica and and the and the, the the episode ends with them kind of facing off, and then it it picks up later with an allusion to the fact that he did the same thing to her that he did to Harvey, um, just kind of showing his his intellectual prowess. What do you think it is about that kind of character? Because I, I I think it is uh, almost become a trope at this point to have, uh, you know, the the, the wonder kid genius uh, that that knows so much. Uh, but is maybe a little awkward because of you know they're they're missing out on some aspects. You know they they have so much book knowledge, but they're missing out on some some social or in this case some like jargon and contextual knowledge of, of the lawyer trade. Why do you think that that kind of character does resonate so much? I mean, I think it's kind of you know there's there's just certain character types or story arcs that you know work through history, and I'm sure on this podcast you've worked through. You know, I don't know. They always say there are seven different types of stories or 11 or whatever it is. And this is kind of, or in some ways, it's Cambellian. the... <laughs> um, but in some ways, it's the fish out of water story, I think. Um, it's mm. taking someone totally out of one place and putting them in another. And so Mike, for us, kind of represents, even though he's a genius, he represents the everyman, the, the fact that we can... You know, even though our life sucks and we are a pothead, we suddenly can be thrust into a job where we can make hundreds of thousands of dollars and be saving people's lives. And I, I mean, it's kind of an, you know, fish out of water going upstream, maybe we could say. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, I think that's why it works so much. I mean, I, I'd have to think about that a bit more. But, but, and, but I, what I also think is interesting, and this is because of the pilot, like, I mean, Really, I want to focus on Harvey Specter. He's like the alpha male. He's, you know, the the big protagonist of the series. But in a way, and this is coming out in our discussion, you know, Mike Ross is the protagonist, especially of this episode. Mm -hmm. We're seeing him develop in this world. And Harvey is the one who's casting the long shadow. Like, this is my world and you're coming into it. Right. And, 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 and so... Yeah. Well, Mike's being our eyes in. Like, you don't want to be dropped into an established world. So many pilots. I can't even list how many pilots have to do this where they give you one character that is meeting everyone else so that the introductions get done in a way that feels somewhat natural. Because if you're just being dropped into a world where everyone knows each other, there's no reason for full names and, and roles to be to be laid out. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I mean, I think that's good insight. And it's done so well in this pilot. I think that's why it works. Yeah, because as Mike uh, the walks through does, the office, yeah. we're told who every character is and what their role is and what their place in the hierarchy of the law firm is. It's like, okay, <laughs> uh, well, now I've got it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, in most shows that would look be look like, uh, you know, kind of extraneous, you know, exposition, but it really works here because he does need to know those things. Uh, what's interesting to me about this pilot also is Lewis Litt becomes a like a really central character in this show. 
and he's kind of just on the fringe and he's kind of, you know, the bad guy. And, and he does play the bad guy for a number of seasons, but it's, he's just, we're just touching on him. And it's interesting to see that development as the we show know progresses. So much is coming. I, I think with a lot of long form storytelling, um, I, I think rewatches can be super rewarding because uh, you know what's coming and sometimes you forget where they started because you, you come to know the characters in, uh, you know, where they're landing in season six, season seven, and you forget where the characters started. And so when you go do the rewatch, it, some things stand out. And if it's done well, it, like you kind of get excited for the evolution you're about to see. Uh, sometimes it might be like, in like I mentioned in the office, like, well, Kelly Kapoor just is not Kelly Kapoor in the pilot. It's <laughs> like, she just becomes a different character <laughs> from one day to the next. It sounds like for, uh, Mike and Harvey and Lewis, like there's going to be uh, a deliberate metamorphosis that takes years and uh, several inciting incidents along the way to transform them. Yeah, there's a lot of growth that's going to happen with with all the characters, and I think they do a really good job with that. And and the show takes on a different tone the last couple of seasons, especially after Mike leaves. Uh, you know, and then you have Dulé Hill and uh, Catherine Hagel comes on the show, and and. You just have these characters that it, it's not, you don't have the same banter and that same buddy dynamic anymore. Although I think the show really is good even in, in those seasons, although maybe other fans would disagree with me. So I know you want to talk a little bit more about Harvey and you've identified him as kind of like this alpha male character that uh, is, is going to get what he wants. What beyond that is, uh, would you say are some of his identifying traits? You know, the character much more because in, in, as you, as you noted in the pilot, yeah. he's more there as, as kind of um, a figure in the world that Mike's entering, not necessarily uh, a character that's on his own journey yet in the pilot. So I think Harvey in in some ways, Harvey is, I mean, what he likes about Mike is he was Mike. And so Harvey is not, you know, he is not from a rich family. He is not from this pedigree that you would expect out of a Harvard lawyer. And that, I think that comes out in the pilot, doesn't it? Where uh, Jessica is saying, you know, he, I brought she you into the mail room and paid right, for law yeah. school. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so he's a self-made man in many ways. Although Jessica, of course, is his mentor in the same way he becomes Mike's mentor. So I think one of the, the appeals of Harvey is he also is kind of the everyman who now is a powerful, rich, um, you know, indomitable force that we, because I think many people want to be that. They want to be, you know, the king of the hill, the, the I don't want to say the bully in the room because I wouldn't call him a bully, but people look up to him. People look to him for their cues. And so I think what we what we like about Harvey is is that strength. But as the series progresses, we also see kind of his character and his softer side and his relationship with Donna, which we see hints of, of course, in this first episode. And we see that, and I think this has become popular again in, in maybe in the last 10 years, is showing the weakness of those those strengths, the, the strong characters. And so Harvey, you know, later does have panic attacks and he struggles with his mom's infidelity. And he he kind of shows his weakness in a way that you may not have seen in in past kind of episodic TV. And so what I like about Harvey is is he he's kind of the everyman, but he's also this this king, this strong guy that you want to be. And that that appeals to me. And I think it appeals to a lot of people. And I think uh, he also has his share of female fans, of course, also. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting for, uh, that for other reasons. Um, in our pilot, he's already being made senior partner. And I think a lot of lawyer shows like that is a long term trajectory that, you know, one of our main characters will be yeah. going on. Um, and he's making that jump and then getting it pulled away and then making it back all in this 90 minute pilot. Right. Yeah, I think I mean, one of the things that like I think this appeals with a lot of characters is they make it seem easy. Um, even though again, like working as a lawyer is not easy work and, and there are allusions to all the hard work that he's put in, but at this point, you know, he kind of shows up and he, so to, to kind of jump around a little bit, one of the first scenes we see with him is him playing cards and I think dropping a pair of aces and, you know, says, yeah. send me your win my winnings or something. So uh -huh. that becomes kind of a trope no in the show. Close the deal, right? Yeah. Like. Exactly. And and that's kind of a trope in the show that he is a great poker player. 
And of course, that isn't just at the, at the card table, but also as a lawyer. And so I think that ability to kind of impose his will on others is very attractive because he's also a nice guy. I mean, ultimately, he's humorous, um, he's likable, and yet he is, you know, the bully. I hate to say bully, but, you know, he's, he's the guy that is going to get things done. And so I think that's a really appealing combination as a viewer. Yeah, and, and then when you start to add in those layers that you said of um, seeing some of the cracks, like he he wants to be presenting yes. the facade of dominance. He wants to be presenting uh, – there's something very performative in some of his masculine traits. Like uh, I, he has an idea of what a high-powered male lawyer in New York City is, and he wants to present that role to everyone. Uh, but it sounds like as as – an audience, we will start to see some of that facade get chipped away through the years. Yes. And I think that's also what makes these types of characters really appealing to those who do want to see that strength, because you see that strength, you want to be that, you know, that guy, but you also know your own faults. So to see the faults in the character and their success kind of really, I think, is a pick me up for, for viewers. Yeah, um, like you said, the, there's something to relate to in um, the Mike character, who is a slacker and maybe not fulfilling all of of his skills. But if given the right opportunity, uh, he he can shine. And then there's also something in seeing someone who looks like they have it all, but finding out no, oh, there's there's some cracks there that also can <laughs> make you feel a little better, right? As a viewer, like ah, yeah. see, they don't have it all together. <laughs> I think that's a great point. And, and maybe why Mike and Harvey work so well together is because it's like two sides of, of the everyman, uh, even though they both are very skilled and very talented people. Um, but I mean, you know, Mike walks in with a bunch of vacuum sealed, you know, marijuana. It's, it's just a comedic, I mean, you know, <laughs> but he spills it's, those uh, out on the, on the hotel room floor. My favorite part is that they just do the hard cut to him finishing the story. Like they, you just get enough of the reaction to see curiosity on Harvey's face. And then it's like, okay, he's just told him the whole story. That's, that's how we're playing this. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually fun for me to, you know, because you've watched this for the first time, you know, today, I think, right? Or or yeah, yesterday. Uh -huh. And so so to, to hear kind of what you're drawn to is really fun for me. Because, I mean, just watching this, I, this is probably, you know, maybe it's the fifth or sixth time I've seen this. Um, maybe more, I don't know. It's still pretty fresh, to be honest, because it is such a good pilot. So it's really fun to see it, you know, actually fresh for somebody. Yeah, and... um. I, this is a show that's like wrapped up or is wrapping up its run basically as we're recording and it's had a good long run, but it did not feel dated in any yeah. way, you know, in the, in almost a decade, I guess, about, you know, about a decade's time. Uh, yeah. It felt yeah. like a pilot you could, you could find right now, uh, you know, airing on a network or on a streaming service, like, Hey, check out this new show. You know, the, nothing about it felt off uh, in any way. That's a great point. And actually I was thinking that as I was watching it today, um, you know, when we had you at, on the podcast Cheers Weekly, you know, I, I brought up uh, the suits on Frasier, you know, that they uh -huh. wear. They're very 90s. I mean, it's like very specifically a time period. And, you know, we're, you know, eight years into this. And I think, you know, the wardrobe, I mean, it's only eight years, but at the same time, that's a while. And the wardrobe is holding up and, you know, the the dialogue is holding up and the plot is holding up. And I hope it continues that way. Cause I mean, I want to be able to watch this in 10 or 20 years and enjoy it the same way. You, you never and, know what it is. That's going to date a show. I've um, for another thing I've been um, working on, I've been going back and watching some old episodes of survivor and you'd think survivor would be timeless because it's, you know, you strand a bunch of uh, people on an Island and, <laughs> uh, and then they, uh, they, votes went out every week and you know that's it but there yeah every yeah. season there's like one uh one episode that's like oh we got the new palm pilot everyone go take photos together and go look in the messages to see a message from your loved ones or uh or <laughs> it, it, i think it's in, the, in one of the very first seasons they're like we have messages from your family and they actually pull out like a combo vcr tv and pop in a vhs and <laughs> wow yeah and it's like that kind of stuff just instantly dates these these episodes even as everything else about like these people's social interactions and who's gonna get voted out like oh that's timeless but once you see something like that you're like oh this this is this one's a little old <laughs> right, right here <laughs> like, and i don't think there's any way like, like, some, like I, 
yes, we know technology is go- is gonna is gonna change and you mm-hmm. know move forward, but it's just um, maybe because there's so little of it in the show that that always stands out when you're like, oh, that that is really dated right now. Uh, no, I do agree with you, and I think part of it is it depends on the dating itself. So, if, like, if the fashion of that of the era that you're watching is not great or has not aged well, then it's gonna you know not look good. Whereas, like, there's other fashion trends that have held up pretty well through history, and so it may be thirty or forty years later, you know, it actually is kind of classic. And it, it's interesting to see what what things do kind of stand the yeah. test of time. Well, oh like you're doing Cheers Weekly, and uh, I think it's in the in the period you're entering post Diane. There's some weird sweater choices coming for Sam and Frazier <laughs> and, and friends where it's like, what? Why, why was this casual men's attire? What What was going on right yeah. now? Yeah, we tend to do. So we have a little segment on Cheers Weekly called Fashion Corner. And we just I you know, we just kind of mark out like fashion choices that that stood out to us for good or for ill. And, uh, I mean, honestly, I'm partial to a lot of Diane's dresses, so that usually wins, but, uh, uh-huh. but, but definitely sweaters are a big part of that. You have a good point. <laughs> well, do you have any, uh, final thoughts about Harvey or Mike or the show suits that you want to make sure you share with our, our listeners? Well, first, I mean, if you haven't seen suits, you got to go watch this. It is very bingeable as you were alluding to, I think Harvey and Mike like many shows, having two characters that really care for each other and can do it in a humorous way, I think that stands the test of time, actually. Ah, oh, yes. Um, because because that's a that's just a long term, you know, friendship is a value that we all care about. And I think it's become more and more lacking in the 21st century. It's harder, partly because of technology. And that's a, a whole nother discussion. But I, I think I like Mike and Harvey because they're but they're both motivational figures so there's something to aspire to there and yet they're very very human very relatable and um yeah I think the writing on the show is incredible they do a great job I like the way you said about they they like each other and they want what's best for each other uh sometimes shows think you need the the tension to come from like internal conflict. And that can often make your ensemble like kind of unpleasant to hang out with, which makes you less, or at least it makes me less likely. I, I can't speak yeah. for all viewers, but it makes me less likely to be interested or invested in these storylines. Uh, but when the, the um, tension and the drama is, uh, you know, an external thing they're working towards or working against, depending on, on what show it is, but they, are together not that they're, you know they're always buddy buddy and there's never any tension in a relationship that would get dull but that they legitimately like each other and want what's best for each other i, I that is uh, a, a recipe for good good character dynamic yeah and and um lewis uh, rick hoffman's character he becomes a really beloved character as the series progresses even though he's kind of the outsider and we actually see his development um from you see why he's kind of angry and his own insecurities and how that plays out. And and that's really interesting in combination with Mike and Harvey and Donna. And, and they do such a good job of having tension, but yet the characters do actually care for one another. And I think that's something, um, at least in some parts of the country, that's, that's difficult for people to understand that sometimes it's best to air grievances and actually have conflict because you do care about people. And to to let that play out, and so they I, they do just such a good job with it. Also, the fashion on the show—I mean, I do love the fashion. It's you know high-profile lawyers, great suits. If they do a suits auction for the costumes, I'll be involved <laughs> uh, definitely. Um, if I if I can afford any of it, it's just really great stuff. All right. Well, thank you for recommending this show and. Um, there's definitely in the history of this podcast more than one show that a guest asked us to cover that we taught we watched the pilot for. I ended up watching all of that show, um, and so <laughs> suits may be entering that, you know, that pantheon of of shows right. I got introduced to as a host of this show. And I'm sure similar things have happened for listeners. We're like, oh, I, I should go check out that show. Um, now, George, you're a first-time guest and on the protagonist podcast because we love talking about great characters and great stories. We always ask the dinner guest question to our first-time guests. If you could have a dinner party with any three to five fictional characters as guests just to sit back and enjoy the conversation and hanging out with these people, who would you want to have? 
This is so hard, this question. So, I mean, I've got, I've got some names here and I've got some things written down. Um, I, I, I'm going to leave somebody out here. And I think that's the point, right? Three yeah, to you, five. Yeah. yeah. Um, you that's can't tough. have all your favorite characters because that would be a you know masquerade ball. <laughs> that's the number of people, <laughs> characters most people would need at that point. <laughs> Um, you know, it's interesting just in, in a way, this is just a fun exercise. Just as I was writing this down, just what pops into mind, because they're going to be characters. I'll think later I go, I should have said that character, but there's a reason that that character didn't come to mind immediately. Right. Um, so I'm going to go with a little bit of a dark horse to start. Um, I'm going to say Alice Morgan from Luther. Are you familiar with the TV show Luther? I'm I, it's one of those that I am aware of and I know it's very like has great critical acclaim. I have not had a chance to to really watch it yet, though. So. So Alice Morgan is basically a serial killer who Luther falls in love with. And Ruth Wilson does such a good job with this character. Um, one of my favorite characters. And actually, I would love to cast Ruth Wilson in something just on the basis of that character. She does such a good job. So I'm going to start the party with her. And uh, th that'll get things kind of uh, on an interesting note. I'm going to go with um, maybe, I don't know if this would be a popular choice. Probably not. But uh, Duncan McLeod of the TV show <laughs> Highlander. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I like Highlander and I like Duncan McLeod and actually for some of the same reasons, I like Harvey Specter. <laughs> um, it's kind of this balance of dealing with deep emotional distress. And, you know, if you're alive for 400 years, that happens. And, uh, and, you know, someone like that is a fun character partly because they have been alive for so long. So they've seen, seen a lot of things. So uh, let's go with, let's go with those to start. I think third, I'm going to go with George Costanza. <laughs> Um, just I, uh, you're already I getting would, some interesting conversations that are coming from from having these this group, right? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting group. I don't know if everyone will live through the evening, especially with a serial killer there. But <laughs> you know, but George Costanza. Honestly, at first I wrote down Larry David, and I'm like, wait a minute, he's real. <laughs> <laughs> um, although I could say the fictionalized version of Larry David on Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, no, Curb but your I'll just enthusiasm. go with George Costanza to keep. Keep it safe. Um, so let's go with that. Man, now, now I got to start looking here. A character I would really like to have, because we're looking for interesting conversation here, not just people we look up to or like, but interesting conversation. I'm going to go with Mike Ehrmantraut from Breaking Bad. Um, uh, he's I think the, uh, he is the, the kind of enforcer one, right? He's the enforcer who's an ex-Philly cop. Yeah. And so he's kind of has his own Breaking Bad story that he, you know, he, he, uh, his son was killed for not being dirty enough, basically. And then he went out to you know, Albuquerque and we find this out in Better Call Saul, actually. So we'll just say Mike Ehrmantraut of both Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And, uh, I think he would be, he's just a really introspective, interesting guy. Um, so I'm going to go with him. And I'm going to finish with uh, Elizabeth Jennings from the Americans, since I'm writing a book on the Americans. And, uh, and you, I like you start Elizabeth. to live with I characters think... when you're writing a book on a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> Although, honestly, Philip probably would be better dinner companionship. But we'll, we'll, we'll get, we need like some more balance in the, the male female ratio. And, you know, it'd be fun to have Elizabeth Jennings there and hear hear what she has to say. And I don't know how this conversation would go. And I, you know, I've got like three or four or more honorable mention here too. I mean, but it's, it's an interesting, this is a great question to ask uh, guests. So thank you. I, I just imagine there will be a lot of confused looks directed at George Costanza. <laughs> With this group. Yeah. We have basically four, very serious people who have dealt with conflict in life and George Costanza. <laughs> who who cannot handle uh, someone <laughs> looking at him wrong a, a, during a social interaction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll that, that would that just forever. be comedic gold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I will say if I can throw it in, one of my like honorable mentions actually was going to be Arnold Jackson from different strokes. So that, uh, that might help George out. Yes. Yeah. I think that would be a little more on his level. <laughs> Keep it a little, yeah. What you well, talking about, George? 
Thank you, George, for joining us on this episode and for suggesting uh, this character in this story. And that's going to wrap up this discussion. Uh, for show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to go t- uh, check out episode number 15, when we talked about the TV show Castle, or the episode episode number 64, when we talked about Frasier. Um, you can reach us by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com, and we're also on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod or at jdorowski, and our producer, Andrew, is at Disminute, and our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. George, can you remind our listeners about uh, your your podcast that you wanted to plug? Yeah, um, our podcast is Cheers Weekly, and you can follow us on Twitter at Cheers Weekly Pod or on Facebook at backslash Cheers Weekly. And uh, of course, you can subscribe on iTunes or just get the direct links from us there. Uh, any, uh, you mentioned you're writing a book on the Americans. Do you have any other books or anything you want to mention? Sure. Um, I am involved with the popular culture and theology series that Lexington Books slash Fortress Academic is putting out. And uh, Matthew Brake is the editor for that series. And so I'm writing one on theology and the Americans currently, and that's going to be a a standalone monograph. And then I'm actually um, editing a text, um, which is going to be theology and Spider-Man. And that's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm actually, the call for papers is open right now, although by the time this airs, it will be closed. <laughs> well, if anyone comes across it, you'll know that it was it was George's project. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but uh, I've been a fan of Spider-Man since a young age, so uh, that'll definitely be a fun project. All right, well, thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. See, I put, oh, Trevor is his friend, right? I put the name Trevor here. Yes, Sorry, Trevor. Andrew, Trevor. Trevor's the, the, the bad influence friend. Okay. Yes. Not that he has a whole lot of good influences in the life at the moment, but okay. I'll give a fresh read there.